Let me put this Lock on Facebook. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a bird, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. Gain new knowledge for a fresh new start. Day Network will bring you there. So let's talk about it when life and on the air. Good morning, everyone. This is Fran Lewis. This is MJ Network. MJ, a memory of my sister, Marcia Joyce, who started me off on this. This is going to be so cool. The author of Exit Strategy, Linda L. Richards is here. And oh, my God. I think everybody's going to want to know how you hire a killer for hire, and can this girl stop? The coolest part is, I looked at the back book, and I'm looking at my review, and I'm saying, wait a minute, this doesn't even have a name, which makes it even more mysterious. So how did you come up with hiring? The, first of all, give us a little bit of a summary and a backstory. How did you create a character that's a paid assassin? That's so cool. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Frank, first of all, thank you so much for for having me on. And, um, you know, it's funny. Sometimes when, when I meet people and they've read the book and they've not met, read me, they've not met me before, I say, you know, and I hardly ever kill people. But I don't, <laughs> I don't kill anyone and I don't know anyone who does. <laughs> so it took them. Um, it was really me musing on what it would take for, let's say, a nice person, someone like me to kill someone for money, what would that take? And um, mm. I started, I was thinking, <laughs> I'm a writer and my brain works that way, right? Um, and I started mm. thinking about it and I came up with the short story that ultimately would become the book ending. And I thought, and it was really, it was just a short story. And it was an exploration of one woman, one woman's tragedy, really. So it was like tra- tragedy, Back against a wall, um, and the opportunity kind of presents itself, um, and and it and it kind of goes from there. I mean, she's utterly destroyed at losing uh, like everyone that she loves in her life, and uh, is desperate and in darkness. That's, that's amazing. So why did she agree this as her, her career? I'm trying to put my phone on speakerphone so I could hear it better. Oh, <laughs> so I didn't quite hear. Why did she agree? Did you say? Why did she? Sorry, not quite hearing you, but well, so she didn't really decide. Why, why did she more decide, decide on this as a career? Why did she decide she this is a cool way to learn her living? No, no, she didn't do any of that. She doesn't decide. It, it sort of, it, it chooses her. So she's mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. Absolute desperation, and uh, and in spiritual kind of darkness, and mm-hmm. um, and financial darkness, and an opportunity presents itself. She sort of falls into it more than anything. She doesn't seek it out. It, it maybe it seeks her out. That's that's scary. But what really is sad <laughs> yeah. is that she she lives in isolation. I love to live in isolation. That'd be so cool. She lives in isolation just with her dog. Isn't she afraid? Is she afraid to get too close to anyone that they might know about her, what she does, or try to dig into her past or get to know her as a person? She's more like a. She's kind of a complete cipher. We don't really mm-hmm. know who she is and I don't think yeah. I think that's because she doesn't really know who she is. So she's struggling I kind of think she's struggling towards the light. As we all kind of do like we're all plants, right? And we all do it in our in our in our own ways. So in the first book, you know, because I didn't want her to be like just a person who goes around killing people. That's boring and it's been done. Um I wanted I wanted the book and then ultimately the series to be about her redemption. So it's almost like she's mm. fallen into darkness, and how does she 
redeem herself. In Exit Strategy, which is the book that came has just come out, um, it's it's in some ways it's a really dark book, and she's struggling with all of these things, and she's she's contemplating at times she's contemplating ending her own life, um, and it is so it is like a, a spiritual darkness that she's struggling with. It's not you know, and it's and it's I think these are books that are not necessarily going to be everyone's cup of tea because there is um, because it's a first person narrator. Mm-hmm. It's a big ask of a reader, as you will you've experienced when you read it. It's a big ask because you're basically, since it's first person narration, you're seeing the world through her eyes, and it's not entirely comfortable. The kind of the, some of the choices she's making are uncomfortable. Yeah, I like so, writing. I like writing in first person narrative. I love first person narrative because you get to hear what the character has to say. And since since yes. since my, I'm not great at writing dialogue, even though I'm a writing specialist, writing staff developer, I like writing in the first person. So it, this was really cool. So you get to hear Thank her you. every move and what she's really thinking. So what does she share about her family, and how did that impact on her life? Um, about her family, in in the. In the first book, she loses a, a child and her and her husband, and mm. she had isolated herself from the rest of her family. And in the in the in exit strategy in the second book, um, her family what's left of her family is looking for her, and um, and she gets to learn more about how she, maybe she gets to learn more about how the accident that that ended her child's life happened. I you know it's funny talking about these books, right? Because you, you try to share things that are going to be salient without giving away too much. So if you hear caution in my voice, that's how. I don't want to inadvertently give away something great, like something that's supposed to be secret. <laughs> yeah, now it starts off very interesting. She's supposed to commission someone to kill, but she doesn't want to do it. How come? And what does the handler do when she decides, I'm not, I'm going to let this person live? Because basically you're getting paid to kill him, so too bad. Well, she doesn't actually, she does kill that first person. Like, she had qualms about yeah. the first person in exit strategy. She kills him. Yeah. Um, and then after that, she decides she doesn't want to do it. And that was sort of like, at the, oh my, oh, I see, I nearly said at the end of endings, and so I stopped myself because I'm not going to give that away, but <laughs> um, so yeah, so she had basically she does that first assignment in exit strategy, and then it did not sit well with her. She's struggling more with with uh, I guess with some of the morality about what she's doing about her. Let's not I won't say her chosen profession, but the profession that she's been engaging with, and uh, and she tells her handler she doesn't want to be doing that anymore so she doesn't actually not go through with an assignment so I'm thinking I mean I don't know because I don't know when I started to do when I did the short story Mm -hmm. that would become endings when I wrote that I did a lot of research on how how to hire a hit person because like I didn't know right I didn't even we don't know right because fortunately that's not something that people do um and uh it, it's, it's, it's complicated, fortunately, again, because we don't want this to be a thing culturally that's easy. Um, and there was a lot of uh, challenging even finding that information out. So when you read the work, some of it is, you know, based on my research but my research didn't involve ever actually doing that. So some of it is fictionalized because mm. I don't really know, but you imagine. And so, you know, that's part of we do what we do as fictionists, right, is we make stuff up. So I've thought through, I guess, what I would imagine parts of it should be like, especially in the high-tech age. And there are elements of, of high-tech that happen with, with her uh, profession would probably not be the right way to put it. But what she, <laughs> what the, 
there's a there's elements of high tech involved. There's um, some cryptocurrency, and that she's paid in crypto, and um, the hits are mostly ordered on. You know, she gets um, messages from the dark web that she, you know, that tell her where to go and things like that. I can't. I hopefully I answered the question. There are people that hit people, which is really scary in the news. There are people that actually yeah, get paid there are people, and to do this. I think a lot of it is probably less high tech than what I'm imagining, but we've got a 21st century hit person here. Yeah, this is this is scary. So this was really cool. She gets hired to keep somebody alive, Virginia Martin. And right. what did she invent the company and her goals? And you begin to wonder about her too. But why? How do you? How do you not get her killed? Because there are people that want to kill her, probably for a reason. Right. Well, I mean, the reasons. I'm not going to give too much of that away. Don't give it away because it's. Yeah. <laughs> because, Otherwise, she's going to come um, and get somebody, people. <laughs> but the plot, a lot of some of the plot rests on why and. And, and, you know, and why indeed? So we have this very charismatic uh, CTO, chief technical office, officer of a, yeah. of a unicorn company. And a unicorn company is, of course, one that has a billion dollar or more valuation. Mm. Um, and she's, again, she's charismatic. And some of, some of that character, uh, certainly not the stuff she does, but some of her energy and some of the things that I was, think, was thinking about with that character, um, I was thinking a lot about, you know, when, when everything was happening with Elizabeth Holmes and Theranus, um, I kept thinking, did she really, you know, did she really mean to do it, you know, do the, to, to debunk her investors or was, it's just that she just thought, God, if I just have more money, I could put this thing together. Um, and so I was kind of musing on things like that. So what's really going on, you know, with a high-tech company when they're doing those big um, multi-million and billion-dollar raise, finance raises? And what if you get deep into it and the technology does not, you know, does not work or appears not to work, isn't what it's cracked up to be? And so... In that, you know, in that scenario, there's a lot of reasons that somebody might want, you know, that key person out of the picture. That's scary. So what exactly is extreme angels, and why are they footing the bill? And what, what exactly do they do? Well, extreme angels, they're just an, like an angel investment firm. And angel those types of an angel investor will go and they, they get people to invest with them basically. And then they put other money, people's money. They make the decision on what to invest in. So, and these are, these are real, you know, angel investment firms are like everywhere. Um, And so I might put, or somebody might put in a hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars and give them to an, an angel investor or they themselves they be, they themselves become an angel investor part of that firm, and collectively, that money by the the people the kind of managing the fund will put money into something. So that's it's a pretty standard financial thing. So I just I called them extreme angels. You know, it seemed like a cool name. And it seemed like a possible name. It sounded like. Um, a lot of the high-tech firms that I'm, you know, over high-tech investment firms that I'm aware of, the kind of name that they'd have. <laughs> that is cool, though. So who's part of this company, and how does she meet Virginia? Does Virginia really know what she's, do- what she's supposed to be doing? So Virginia is the CTO, and she, they, they, so the company is a completely sectional company called Greenmo, and they're, they've been doing green technology. It's alluded to that they've been doing different types of green energy-related technology for a long time. And some, at some point, it's in backstory, you don't really see this, but it's alluded to in the book, um, 
they came across Virginia's exciting technology that takes basically household garbage and converts it into energy. And mm. it's a revolutionary technology. And they hire her, and they hire her as, as chief technical officer. Um, and together they're going to bring this product to market. And it's going to change the world because you could just take your trash. And I had a lot of fun actually world building with that. I had a lot of fun creating this technology that doesn't exist and maybe it's just something I really would like to see. I wish we could do that, right? Yeah. If we could take something that really too much of, we all have too much of, and turn it into something that we really need. Like it would really, think about it, it would really change the world. And if, and if somebody looked like, you know, somebody appeared and said, hey, I can do this, just, I just need a whole lot of money. I mean, everybody would get involved. Everybody would want a part of that. So is that sort of revolutionary, world-changing technology that she's offering and, and, and the company is offering? They're like, hey, we're on the cusp of doing this. We just have to find, you know, the right people to make this part and put it all together, and they've got this huge lab, and they've got, this huge, they've got a whole lot of, you know, machines doing stuff. And, uh, and it's, on the surface, at least it's really exciting. Now, this was a cool scene because it's my favorite place, hair and nails, definitely. Definitely <laughs> my favorite. Every Saturday at 7 in the morning is hair and nails. This week it was Fun. get, the, get the, blue, the blue, purple, red, magenta, and green highlights. Very serious. Wow. Wow. So, yeah, that's just, just me, strange. But it's different. So Strange? No, daring. Up, that sounds daring to me. <laughs> it is It is daring. Um, some people think it looks great. Um, some people, like my, my nephew, say she's too much. And <laughs> right after I got it done on Saturday... My four nieces, I have to, um, I text them to show a picture of what I look like, and they have to approve. They told me I look wonderful. And last oh, week when I went to, nice. they're a trip. They're in their 20s, so they're like my age, I told them. And then um, I got glasses, new glasses, but before I could finalize it, I had to text my other niece to see what she thinks, because we're into glasses for some stupid reason. So... It, it's it's cool. So when she goes to this to the salon, why does she realize that something is not right? When she goes, well, when to she the goes salon. the time, she's just she's just trying to follow yeah. Virginia. Yeah. So she doesn't really. Yeah. And then the second time she gets information from the stylist about Virginia that she didn't have before. So the first time, oh, and also the first time I think outside she she knows somebody, she has seen that somebody is following Virginia. When she, yeah, somebody's so there's that. Well, yeah. She does a good job of dealing with that. So then we have a PI. What is the P, who is the PI that contacts her and why? And how did she, um, and she took a tour of Extreme Angels. That must have been interesting. Yeah. So the PI, I can't remember, but is it, the PI is has been hired by her family to find her. We don't find that out. I should really not have said that. Forget you heard that. Yeah. <laughs> because that comes as a surprise. She doesn't want to be found, um, so, yeah. people. <laughs> she doesn't want to be found. Um, and there's some cool stuff with that. And uh, what was the the other thing that you asked was um, with. Uh, the PI. Oh, the tour. The tour of the company. Yeah, yeah, she goes undercover. You probably, if you like the hair and nails, you probably like that part too, because she goes shopping. <laughs> yeah, <Whoa>. me too. <laughs> she goes shopping because she needs like she's gonna go. She's gonna go undercover as well. She doesn't call it going undercover, but she essentially does. She wants to get mm-hmm. into into the operation close up because she's really realized that it's going to be difficult for her from the outside to keep an eye on Virginia Martin, to be close enough to her yeah. for, um, you know, to be of any use because she lives in a gated 
community. She has like a townhouse in a gated community. And her office is like in an industrial park and it's low slung and you can't really get close enough to watch it properly without being conspicuous. So she's like, the best way to do that is going to be going, it's going to be to go inside and how do I do that? So she decides to pose as um, an angel investor. Like she decides to pose as somebody who's got a lot of dough (laughs) and, and, and might, you know, feasibly have, a lot of money uh, to give. And how she does that is she goes to this angel investment firm that, or this Extreme Angels, which is a firm that has supplied a lot of the money that they have, um, has invested a lot of the money that they've raised. And um, she goes there and she poses as an investor. And she gets them, and essentially she she knows that that's going to be their major investment. And so when she basically... What's the expression in Las Vegas? She poses as a whale. <laughs> she poses mm. as a whale. Um, I didn't think of it that way before, but she she poses as someone who has just lots of money to throw around, and so she needs to dress the part. As she feels, she needs to dress the part. So she does a kind of pretty woman in a way. If anybody remembers that film, and she goes to a very chic boutique and she buys all the stuff she needs. That she feels she needs to look wealthy. And then she buys makeup that she doesn't usually wear. And then she even buys her dog a cool collar, even though the dog's not going to be part of this operation, just because she thinks he'll like something nice. So she dresses. So she dresses the part. And then the, the spot when she goes to Extreme Angels to, like, a, kind of um, informational kind of community meeting that they're having, trying to get people to invest they kind of single her out as someone who has a lot of money. And when they talk to her, she, she says the right kind of thing. And they say, hey, you know what, we've got something. We've got a special investment for you to look at. And they look, you know, so they arrange for a tour and lunch. And she gets, to, she gets inside the operation and she gets closer. She gets to be able to be close to people within the company by pretending to be someone She's not. And since she's no one, in a way, she's no one. It'd be kind of easy for her to be someone else. If that makes mm-hmm. sense, does that make sense, Fran? <laughs> oh, I was going to say that because she really is no one. She, she, she creates her own personality, which I really think yeah. is, is cool. So every day she could be somebody else and create a different personality except for her poor dog that's lonely. I feel so bad for him. But in the first book, you you get to see her acquire the dog, how she how she came to have that dog. He's, he he oh. shows up in endings. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I know my brother has a Rottweiler, Pitbull Rottweiler, Bella Bella. We call it Bella Bella, mm-hmm. and she misses me because I'm the one that scratches her back. So when my sister-in-law walks, her Bella Bella screams, "Where are you?" <laughs> oh. <She's> so, <laughs> it's too it's too much. So how do you protect someone? like Virginia. And when does she become a target? So how does she how do you protect someone and how do you protect yourself from becoming a target for whoever this person is that wants to kill Virginia? They must have a reason. Right. And also she's thinking um our the protagonist is thinking yeah. you know if if she if somebody's trying to take Virginia out it's like a it's like if she successfully, as she does actually fairly early in exit strategy, she takes out and this, like a, a someone who is who was lying in wait to kill Virginia, and she thinks, well, this person, I mean, this is I've I have removed this danger, mm. but another he's he's that person was obviously a hire and was is replaceable. He's going to be replaced probably within a few days. So, I mean, protecting her becomes very difficult because it is as though someone has hired uh, a hit person, I guess from a rival firm, I don't know, (laughs) has hired someone to kill Virginia Martin. And so she knows that. Um, You can't, how do you you even stop that? It could just be, it could just be an endless kind of loop. 
it could go on and on and on. That's scary. So who is Donegal, and why did she break into his trailer? Um, so he's a kind of online... So there's like a... in A lot of the action in, in um, exit strategy is around high finance. And mm. um, the company that... Virginia Martin works for is a publicly traded company. And there are, in fact, um, forums where people discuss various publicly traded companies or really any company that you would invest in. And some of those people, especially in this day and age, some of those people are nuts. And they'll, they'll do, like, sometimes they'll say if a stock goes down or something, they'll be threatening of people. And mm-hmm. so Donegal is a he's a unsavory person who and we and initially his real name isn't known and our our heroine I I I I, I hesitate over describing her that way our hit lady <laughs> determined through mm. um, various ways sneaky ways she figures out this guy's identity because those 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 chat rooms are always um, anonymous. And she's able to determine who he is, not without a lot of, you know, background work and digging around. She figures out who he is, and then she figures out where he lives, and then she breaks into his trailer. So cool. The really weird part is that nobody looks to see who she really is. Nobody asks for, and even if she gives identification or whatever, nobody checks to see who she really is. That's what's really scary. So she sort of gets away with this. But who is her handler? And the handler doesn't always answer her, and sometimes she gives her vague responses. Doesn't exactly tell her what she needs to do. And I I figured out who she might be, but oh, God. Hmm. You did? You have to, not on this call, but you'll have to tell me, because I don't know. She's a mystery to me, too. The handler? (laughs) I don't know. She seems like a mystery, but I sort of, like, wonder about her. Because let me yeah. tell you, I, I don't know if I would if I would want this one, but she's like less responsive, and yet she keeps calling her from everywhere. Well, she's not going different places, right? And it's um, she's it's it's a technology too that you can yeah anonymize where you're calling from. So when she's calling from some weird place, um, it's she's not really at those places. It's yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. It was so funny too because I wrote, the, you know, the the book came came out very recently. But when I and I wrote the book, and I was just picking places for her to be calling from that would be unlikely places to get a, you know, get a call from. And this morning, in preparation for this call, I was looking back over the book and just to make sure that. Um, you know that I had some salient points in my mind because it's it's been a while since I wrote it, and I noticed that the first call comes from Ukraine, so I thought, oh, that, you know, that's a I less, know. you know that's a place that's in the news a lot right now, so it was it, that seemed a little, but that was just a yeah, that was a coincidence. Well, if you read um, Tom Clancy, the Tom Clancy book, um, no, not Tom Clancy, Hostile Intent by Don Bentley. He wrote that before the Ukraine came out, and the whole story of the Ukraine is in there. And the one that I'm going to right. interview, he's an intelligence officer. It's like, whoa, um, the author of The Handler, his too, is about the Ukraine. And I was like, oh. they wrote this before. What did you know that we don't know? And there's a lot of right. there's a lot of hype about. Also, I got this. I got these dumb text messages from the news. And this one this morning said that Putin is very sick. He might not live. And I just said, I don't want to be mean, but too bad. As if it's really true. Mm-hmm. So who is, who is Martin and who is Evan and who is Matt? What do they have to do with anything? Um, um, Matt works for Extreme Angels, and he's like the head. Angel mm. guy, he's the head, like finance guy. He's a finance guy. Mm. And Evan is the CEO of of Greenmo, 
and probably in for the sake of these this conversation i mean there 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 are people that you encounter all these are people that you encounter in the books that have um you know parts parts to play some more significant than others yeah i know and this this like virginia is really she's protecting her the, this person but does she really deserve to be protected seriously Right. Well, I mean, that becomes another moral question, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, does anyone deserve to be killed? Does anyone deserve to be protected? But, right. I mean, we're stating near things that cannot be answered. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's too it's, much it's, away. Yeah, I know. She's she's like, hmm. I had mixed feelings about Virginia, but what can I say? So, how right. does, when she wants to get information from people. I mean, she's like an enigma. You don't really know her, yet you know her. And you wonder sometimes after she kills somebody or not kills somebody, if she has any remorse. If she ever says, oh, well, I didn't really mean to do it. Now, the heck with it. He's really, he deserved to die. Why not? I got paid. Who cares? So how does she get close to people? And do they open up to her? Well, it's close and close, right? Um, she doesn't, like you remarked earlier in the conversation, she doesn't really let anybody close to her. Yeah. Um, so she maybe try if she gets close to them, it's artifice. And she doesn't, I don't think she lets anyone close to her because she's kind of I mean, I want to say hiding in a way, and and she is yeah. when she's in her home, which is in the forest. But she's sort of hiding out from the world, and it's not because of what she does, although there's certainly reason. Excuse me, in that degree, you know, from that quarter as well. But she's hiding from her emotions, I guess. She's hiding from feeling, and even when she starts to create connections with people, she's she's fighting that in a way and pulling back mm. from it. I'm not sure what you asked now. Forgive me. <laughs> I went off on a tangent there. <laughs> she's she, in, 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 in a sense, to me... That's what you said. Yeah. In a sense, <laughs> to me, she's sort of... Because she really... I don't think she really knows who she is. I think right. she invents herself every time she does something or kills somebody. So I think she's sort of hiding for her, from herself. And I wonder sometimes yes. if she even has a birth certificate to know who she really is. Now, that would be really cool to find out. But she's, right. she's sort of hiding from she, herself. She doesn't know who she is. And I think, so, and some of the stuff is alluded to in, the, in in Exit Strategy, which is the second book, that's a little bit more, de- you know, explained because we're kind of watching it happen in the yeah. first book. But she's essentially walked away from who she was. She's, mm-hmm. She has, has this incredible tragedy has happened to her, and she's left it all behind and, you know, gone off and ends up killing people for money. Um, and so... If she has a birth certificate, it isn't hers. She's got, she's acquired it. Um, she's she's a, she has she has an identity. I mean, she's able to fly. She has a driver's license and stuff, but the identity that she has is not her own. And so I I think too as as I continue to write these books, she is she's like less almost less and less remembering who she was, and that's not unintentional. So it's almost a sort of amnesia that she's deliberately bringing on because she doesn't want it. It's so painful to remember what she left behind. She's really Maybe sometimes just a tragically, just tragically sad person. I mean, so, and she has to be. She has to be because of all these things that have happened. Now, if you are listening to this and you think, that mm-hmm. sounds incredibly bleak, I don't want to go there. <laughs> she is also I mean there is a there there is this struggle towards the light and I think mm. part of what 
is I know, and it is part of my own philosophy, but also part of what I think is necessary for this character. Is there's I almost don't want to say a hopefulness about her, and uh, just this, and I think I, I've described it like that already. This the struggle towards the light, it's like she's in darkness, and instinctively she's moved. She's trying to move to somewhere else, and she doesn't know what that looks like. She doesn't know how to be better, but inside she wants to. So it's sort of there's a hopefulness about it. I think. What do you think? Did, was there? Did you find a hopefulness in your read? Well, at the end, at the end of the book, the last chapter, yeah. When she decides to do something about something, right. I'm not going to say. That then I realized right. it. But before I forget, tomorrow, it just came out. Also, your book came out yesterday. That's why I posted yeah. the review yesterday. On the seventeenth, oh, I made sure I was on. T- I made sure I was on time, people. I saw. <laughs> I lately, with all with everything yet. else, am I losing it? So, b- tomorrow, Boyd Morrison and Elizabeth Morrison. Lawless Land. It's a, he used to write with Clive Gusla, and Clive died last year. I met him a couple of times at the Thriller Fest. So Boyd and Elizabeth will be there on the 23rd, the author of The Pilot Squirrel. On the 24th, somebody we all know and love, Lee Matthew Goldberg, Vanish Me. On the 26th, Eleanor Kearns. And on the 31st, this book was scary, like yours. The title of the book is Death Warrant. The author created a television show that video, video that, that videotapes or actually does on live kills a person. This girl's brother is in debt, and she makes a plan with this show to get killed to, for $10 million in order to give it to her brother. And how she gets, oh my gets around it, that, that was probably, I read it, and I'm going like, do I really want to read this and talk about it? I'm not sure. That, that That's the kind of book that, yeah. He actually wow. created a television program, and there is there was something like that, some kind of program like that. Right, but it's it's fiction, right? The book you're talking about is fiction. I hope so. I truly hope it is. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. when when but she breaks a, into yeah. okay, what happens when she breaks into Virginia's home? Well, I already know we're talking about my book again. I was I was I was hoping to hear more about this one. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. Um, uh, I yeah, I'm I'm, hes- I'm hesitating again about giving too much stuff away, but yeah, she oh, does so break into Virginia's home. She she interrupts the cat, <laughs> um, mm. but yeah, I it, she breaks she does successfully break into her into her condo, and uh, discovers you know she discovers some things about her personality as well about the about Virginia's personality just in the way she organizes things and yeah. Well Virginia's got some heavy power behind her. That's all I will say. Mm-hmm. Because anyone else that would read this at the end would say that she's got a lot of power behind her. That's all I'm gonna say. So okay. what cool. what happens when all the pieces fall into place and she re- realizes what happens? How, what about money and power in this particular case? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I didn't think of it that way. So that's an interesting that's an interesting question. I have to give that some thought. I mean, money and power, yeah, it does it I guess it does play a part. It's almost it's almost a, <clears throat> a character in some ways, isn't it? This is this is my problem for understanding what I read. What can I tell you? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So who is Hattie? Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the book. The book is in front of me. Um, when I'm done with this, my doctor, my dermatologist, uh, loves me because whenever I come, I don't have to come for an appointment. I have to bring books. I'm serious. Oh, fun. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> I, I came last week. I gave him. Well, in in a month, I could read like fifty. Something like that. Mm-hmm. So he got wow. fifty-two. Yeah, I, I, this is really scary. So I read last. I bought him a whole bag last month, and the month before I bought him three bags. So I have to go next week and bring him more. He said. 
Wow. Every two, three weeks, I bring him. He just bought a, a second or third house. Could you imagine? And his wife wants to read, but she also wants enough books to book the 20 bookcases she's got. So he he reminds me, I can't come without books. <laughs> so I, I cracked up laughing because he actually said it. He said to my husband, if she doesn't come with books, she can't come. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> I was cracking up from her. So... When this narr- when you continue this series, will this narrator continue? Well, she decides on a career afterwards. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Will, will she continue as a paid assassin? I think that's so cool, though. Um, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> well, that's scary. Okay, people, you're going to have to guess all those people on the line that are dying to know here. Too bad. Oh, well, too bad. Uh-huh. I can tell you the title. I know the title. Okay. And I know. Okay, yeah, the book it's called Dead in West. The, in his pile. What's the title? Yeah. Dead West. Oh, and God, that's You don't look for it on Amazon. And when is it coming out? It's, um, next, uh, the middle of next year, so about this time next year, 2023. i got to put everything in my schedule lately. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm impressed. I, I interviewed um, Philip Mondelin. His last one is The Darkest Place. Um, he's probably one of the best criminal defense attorneys on the universe, besides he loves me. So before he ends his show, he's got a book coming out November 8th, and he already booked the show because he said I'm first in his interviews out forever. Oh, so lovely. That, that's so cool. I like Somebody likes me. What can I tell you? I try. So <laughs> what, what is this thing with the, with this certificate that she wants? Why does she what does she realize that maybe there's another world out there for her? Well, she so she lives alone in the forest with her dog. She yeah. has like a cottage that she's bought for herself out there. And she likes to cook and she likes I mean because she's not just working all the time. She likes to do things. And she gets the idea of getting a certificate in nutrition from Cornell University. It's like more than certificates, like this little degree program. Mm. And she immerses herself and keeps trying to immerse herself throughout this book in in achieving this, this certification from Cornell in nutrition. And it's sort of ironic, you know, because she's in some ways concerned with dying or other people dying. And the certificate that she's going through, it's very much about living and helping people to live, the people that live, helping them to live better. She doesn't want to be a nutritionist, and she does say that in the book. She's not her, she, I mean, she wants the certificate, but she doesn't want to pursue it. Um, and I understand that because before, before COVID, it had been my, um, um, it had been my uh, ambition in 2020 before 2020, it had been my ambition to go to um, Greece to do a program to become a, 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 to get a teaching certificate, a yoga teaching certificate. I love yoga. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, the world shut down. But I didn't want to, I don't want to be a yoga teacher. I just wanted to have the certificate. It was something that I, it was an accomplishment that I wanted to do. And I guess what I gave, I mean, I think I gave her that, that. So she's, Achieving, it's achievement for the sake of achievement, but also to have a better understanding. And maybe it's part of her searching, too, a better understanding of self. Um, but she doesn't actually want to, like, hang up a shingle or anything like that. She just wants to have accomplished that. And she does. Well, no, that's giving something away, too, is it? Never mind. But she has, she's <laughs> working on a, a certificate from in, in nutrition. Well, it could be as a ruse, you know, in the next, in one of the books, whatever, you know, pretending to be a nutritionist and, you know, she could use it as a cover of some type. That's a really good idea. And if you see, if in one of the future books you see that, you'll know where the idea came from. That's a great idea, actually. Huh. Yeah, well, you know, she needs, she <laughs> yeah. needs different identities, yeah. I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm thinking, like, she she could be just about anything. Any, at anywhere, and she's like an enigma because nobody really knows who she really is, and she doesn't yeah. get close to anybody. She doesn't get close to anybody at all. So how does her 
Hanla come into play? Is she going to be in the next book too? If if she continues, who's that? The handler. Oh, the handler. The yes. That, I mean, maybe. Yes, no, she is in the next book too. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not sure and, I like her. Um, I don't. I have my feelings about this one because I feel oh, that, that the poor girl. That. You know, she's like sort of playing her. She wants her to do things, but yet she sometimes she doesn't play it straight. So she's supposed to figure yeah. out what she's supposed to do in order to kill the person. So I got that. What can I say? You know what? That's and interesting feedback, though. I hadn't thought of. I mean, I hadn't thought of her being unlikable. But I mean, considering what she does, of course she's unlikable, right? She's un- <laughs> I wanted to smack her a couple of times. I mean, here she's trying to do your dirty work and take care of Virginia. And um, then at the end, I said, "Well, that's interesting." That's how I, I realized that Virginia's got some power behind her. Well, actually, the, someone else has the power behind them. We won't say who. That's that's right, it's really right. scary. Gotcha. Yeah. But right. Besides this series, do you writing anything else? Yes, I have just finished. So I I I've had a couple. I had a book come out in 2020 called Return from Extinction: The Triumph of the Elephant Seals. It's nonfiction for kids. Um, uh, age nine to thirteen, and for that that publisher, it's published by Orca Books. Um, and for that publisher, I've just finished a book on wild horses that's going to be published also in 2023, and it's the same deal for nine to thirteen year olds. And uh, I, we don't have a finished title yet. That book is in production right now, but um, it's I did a lot of research for that book. Uh, wild horses, it's wild horses in America. And some of that, so Dead West, the third book in the series that we're talking about today, it takes mm. place um, against the backdrop of a wild horses in America. So it's, it's fiction in that same world and really, really well informed because of all the research I did. And there again, I started thinking and, when, and writing about, the, mm. about wild horses in America, I came to realize how much politics and lobbying and stuff is involved with um, in, in the wild horse situation in this country, and um, and so scenarios presented themselves. So that book takes place partly in the desert in Arizona and partly in Washington D.C. I would love so, seriously the nine to thirteen. I have a little mm-hmm. cousin who reads like I do. There's nobody in my family that reads like I do, except little Kaya reads like I do. She loves reading. She loves horses. And I think she would probably be excited if she got some, if, if I sent that to her when, you, when it comes out. She would love me forever, well, probably. You and Kaya can interview me for the two, because the two books are going to be coming out within a few months of each other, which I think is going to yeah. be kind of interesting. I did not intend it that way. It's sort of just how life is lining up. So I'm going to have a work of nonfiction for kids about wild horses and this, this novel about wild horses. Mm. And so maybe you and Kai can interview me then. <laughs> she, probably, she probably would get a kick out of it. She's a trip and a half. She's my cousin from Florida's granddaughter. And it's really sad this week. My cousin came up with her husband, and they both got sick. Um, they didn't get oh. COVID, but they got a very bad cold, so I couldn't see them. Then the whole family got sick. So I yelled at her oh, for getting no. sick. Yeah, so yeah. Kaya Kaya got sick, and she was supposed to have a birthday party on Thursday, on Saturday, and she couldn't have it because she got sick. So, yeah, she's she's Aww. my little reader. And my little three-year-old niece, Grace Marie, said that she's going to learn how to read so she could help her aunt review books. So there's Aww. hope in the world. <laughs> this, oh, this, yes. this is part yeah. of the – before I end um, – the last line of the book really is great because the world is so mixed up. And then the handler says, we have to make the world right. That sort of says it all. With what's going on in the world today, I just wonder, can we ever make the world right? Seriously. Right. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? That's the thing. Yeah. Like I said, she's struggling to the light. She's stumbling towards hopefulness. There's, and I guess that is my personal nature. Like, if we can't think, 
that good stuff is somehow coming. <laughs> you know, I mean, we need that. We need that. And I guess that's why we read fiction, isn't it? Because yeah. no matter what ha- is happening in our crazy world, in fiction, we can have things come right. And that's I don't power, think people you know? people realize it. And the other the other thing, I mean, when I write my my last book, <laughs> it it did so so did okay. It's called Population Zero: The World Without People. Seriously, and it's it's just nine worlds that I created that no one would want to wow. live in. And I invited a dead body to come back and experience the world, and ask people at the end, "Will you want to live in the world that she created? Are you going to start behaving in the one that we're in?" Some people just didn't understand it. It was no research. I made wow. it a world of darkness, a world of of um, fog, a world of ice. I, I have no idea. I just sat down and wrote it, and I started to write the next one, and I have like 40 books inside to review. So that's where that's going. Right. And I call it the. I was going to call it the last grave or the darkest place, but probably I'll be write it in another 20 years at the rate I'm going with all these books. Wow. Well, wow, that, that so, sounds very. That sounds very interesting. So it's. I guess you would call it like speculative fiction. Speculative. They said it was dystopian, and um, right. the problem is, is that the the publishing company, I won't say who it is, did a great job to put the book together. They did nothing to help me with content. They got the grammar and all the rest of it, but when I asked them for help in, you know, like content or what do you think I should add or should I add some other people, they didn't do anything, and they haven't promoted it. And it cost a fortune because it was an independent publisher. I didn't realize it. So if I write the next one, I will ask one of my New York Times authors that loves me to help me out to decide where to get it done. Because I'll tell you, the best part about reviewing books is I never have to go to the library or the bookstore. They just come, Mm -hmm. which which my husband's thrilled because I'm saving thousands of dollars on buying books. They just automatically come. So for those of you that Mm -hmm. know what else is coming up next month, June 27th, Tess Gerenson, listen to me. And in uh, August, yeah, that was like, whoa, two hours she wants. Iris Johansson, A Face to Die For and Captive. She wants both books in the same time, the same interview. That should be fun. Cool. And That's great. What a great lineup you have coming. I'm in great company. Thank I, you. Well, the first time I did Tess Gerenson, I actually emailed her myself. As I had guts. I said, I don't believe I did this. And she said that she would be honored to be on my radio show. She was the first person I ever interviewed, ever. And every nice. year in January <laughs> or in June, she comes on twice a year. So I'm excited. And um, Iris Johansson's publicist said she wanted an interview, and I wouldn't turn her down. Her, her son is even, is great, too. She's amazing, Iris. She's so fantastic. So I'm excited. Mm-hmm. But thank you so much. And if you have another tour with Partners in Crime, let me know. And if you don't thank and you, you want an interview on your own, let me know. That's fine. No problem. Everybody, thank it's you. a beautiful day outside. Do something nice for somebody. Say Say a kindness. Instead of, you know, everybody, you know, walk in the street, nobody says good morning. And I look at them and I go, have a nice day. They look at me like I'm crazy. But thank you so much, Linda. Everybody have a great day and bye. Thank you.